Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Church Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people take their next step to move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridgechristian.com. We pray that your life is transformed through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our lead pastor, Mike Wears. Happy Mother's Day, and, and I've done a little bit of research today. Have you ever wondered what people did or mothers did to help make their children famous? So I've done a little bit of hard research for you today, and, and I, I've got a few famous people, and I want you to tell you what their mother said to them. The first one, you may recognize him, Albert Einstein. This is what Al's mom said to him. Uh, can't you do something with your hair? It's your senior picture. Maybe some styling gel or some mousse or maybe even try a comb, Okay. Uh, the next one is Abraham Lincoln. Old Abe's mom said to him, uh, the stovepipe hat again? Those things are expensive. Why can't you wear a baseball cap like all the other kids? Or this lady, Mona Lisa. Uh, Mona's mom said to her, after all the money your dad and I spent on those braces, can't you smile a little bit bigger than that? Or Thomas Edison, and uh, Thomas's mom said, Ah, yeah, I am really proud that you invented the light bulb. Now turn it off and go to bed, Al. Or Thomas. And then the last one, Napoleon. And uh, Napoleon, uh, Napoleon's mom said, Napoleon, if you're not hiding your, if you're not hiding your, your um, report card, pull your hand out and prove it. So now you, you've learned something today, haven't you? You should be appreciative of that. So, so actually, we're going to study a mom who said something that was pretty revolutionary. And what she said, her name was Hannah. And what she said to God is, here, take my son and use him. She dedicated her son to God. So we're going to be studying Hannah. You'll find the story in First in, 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 uh, Samuel, the very first chapter. And what we're going to learn today is how to raise difference makers. Uh, let me tell you what about Hannah. Her son's name was Samuel. Samuel was a man that came along, and when he came along, Israel was headed in the wrong direction, okay? I mean, they were headed towards idolatry, they were headed towards anarchy, and this is what happened. Samuel comes as a result of her mom, as a result of his mom praying, and changes the course of a nation. I think we all would want to raise children like that. So, so let me give you a little bit of the backstory as we head into this story about Hannah and Samuel. Hannah is Samuel's mom, but, but can I tell you what? There was a time in her life when things didn't look good. She was married to a man named Elkanah, and, and Elkanah uh, was a great husband. He had two wives, this was the custom back then, but Hannah was one of the wives, and she was barren. And she was distressed over this. She did not have a child. But the other wife that Elkanah had, had a whole bunch of kids. And as you can imagine, that created a little bit of tension between the two wives. Guys, let me just give you a piece of free advice. Don't have two wives. You're headed for trouble. Okay, so, so you have Hannah that is there, and, and, and Hannah doesn't have any children. And they do this thing where they would take their tithes and offerings every single year. To, to a place called Shiloh. And a part of that celebration, a part of that tithe was this, is that the, the, the husbands, kind of like Mother's Day, would bring food to their wives from the sacrifice. 
And so every year, Hannah got a plate, and, and the other wife got a plate. Now, the other wife's plate was piled high because that was all the food for her children. And then Hannah, who didn't have any children, had a much smaller portion. But Elkanah, being a sensitive type of guy, he put a double portion on there for her. But it still wasn't enough. And to make things even worse, the other, the other wife acted like a junior high girl and mocked and made fun of Hannah. So imagine, they've come together for this sacrificial meal, and here comes, here comes Elkanah, and he takes his big old plate down there to the other wife and sets it down in front of her. And being the sensitive guy, he comes to Hannah, he gives her a double portion. But when Hannah looks down at her plate and she looks down the table and she sees that huge plate, it just kind of gets her right here. And then, and then she hears the pitter-patter of little feet. She hears the children, and it just kind of weighs heavy on her. And then she's sitting there, and she's looking in her little plate, and she looks up and sees the other plate. And then she looks up a little bit more, and she sees the other wife going, nah, 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 you ain't got no kids, and I do. And then we come to the place of the story today. We're going to look at it in Scripture. In, in, in 1 Samuel, the first chapter in, in verse 9, it says, After the sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Can I tell you how I picture this? Hannah jumped up out of her seat and ran out the door. I mean, she is heartbroken. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish and crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. I mean, this is breaking her heart. And, and, and as she was praying and, and, and as she made this vow, O Lord of heaven's army, if you will look upon my sorrow, again, do you feel the pain, and answer my prayer and give me a son, it wasn't just a child she wanted, but a son, then I will give him back to you. She's making a vow there. I'm going to give him back. Now, I hear that occasionally when I go to hospitals. If I just get better, I'll be in church every Sunday. It usually doesn't work that way, but that's what they say. And you're going to see that she holds to her vow. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. And she was, as she was praying to the Lord, Eli watched her. Seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Okay, she, she's getting ready to have more added to her sorrow and anguish. And this is what he says, must you come here drunk? Throw away your wine. And that just probably heaps more on her. And then she says, oh no, sir. She replied, I haven't been drinking wine or, or even anything stronger, but I am very discouraged and I was pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think that I'm a wicked woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. You see the heartache. And then Eli, the, the priest, says to her, in that case, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Let me tell you what happens now. There's just a few verses between the next ones we'll read. But they go home, she conceives, and she has a young, a, a young boy. They name him Samuel. And Samuel is growing. Probably when we get to this point, he's only four, maybe five, maybe six years old. And they've actually come back to have another sacrificial meal. And it says, after sacrificing the bull, they brought the boy to Eli. And then this is what Hannah says, sir, do you remember me? Do you remember me? 
I'm the woman who stood here several years ago praying to the Lord. I asked the Lord to give me this boy, and he has granted my request. She realizes that that, that boy is a gift. And he says, now I'm giving him to the Lord, and he will belong to the Lord his whole life. And then they worship together in that place. Can I tell you, one of the most important things you can do is worship and letting your kids see that. Now, I, I've got to stop right here, and I've got to tell you, if any of y'all are thinking about dropping your kids off here at church this afternoon, don't do it, okay? We're not equipped like Eli was to handle that, and, uh, and if they've cut their hair, guess what? You can't do it, okay? You've got to have a full head of hair for this. But I want us to get into this because there's what I want you to hear today, and, and it is we must parent to shape our children's faith and character so they can make an impact in our world. Samuel is actually going to change the course of the, the, the nation and actually change the course of the world. Why? Because one lady determined that she would pray. So we must prepare to shape our children's faith and character so they can make an impact on the world. And what we're going to learn from Hannah today is three keys. Three keys to, to raise children that can make a difference in the world. And some of you are saying, well, I don't have any children. If you have grandchildren, this works. And if you don't have any grandchildren or children, can I tell you what? You can apply these three keys, these three principles to your life, and, and then you become the difference maker. In fact, that's what I'm going to challenge everybody to do at the end of the service. So let, let's talk about the three things. The first thing is, is that we've got to realize that children are a gift from God. Realize your children are a gift from God. If you have a middle schooler, you're probably questioning that statement right now, okay? <laughs> If you have a baby that's not sleeping through the night, you're probably saying, a gift from God, I'm not sure about that. If your son or daughter has recently wrecked your vehicle, you're saying, no way. Can I just tell you what? Children are inconvenient, and they are a challenge. But Scripture makes it abundantly clear they are a gift from God. Would you read with me up here? This is, this is what it says in Psalm 127. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Hannah realized that her son was a gift. Can I tell you what? If you would just realize this with me, it, 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 your child is a gift, and that will change your attitude on how you see them. And the attitude that you have towards them will change them. If you treated them like a precious gift that they are, can I tell you what? It changes them. And then once they realize that they are a gift from God, it absolutely changes them, and they begin to live differently because you don't want to waste a gift. Now, you have to understand this. No life happens without the blessing of God. No life happens without the blessing of God. I, I hear somebody say this about their children's, children occasionally. And they'll say, well, they were an oops. Or they were a mistake. Now, have you ever thought about how that makes them feel? No. It was by the blessing of God that that child was formed. It does not happen without God. That, that's why I, I, I struggle with abortion. Why? Because it is a gift from God, every child. And you don't want to destroy that gift. If we are to realize that children are a gift from God, that they are that heritage, 
then, then, then it begins to change how we look. I, I want to share with you a little bit of my story. You'll see a picture of, the, uh, of our family up there. And, and that was at Christmas. And, uh, and can I tell you about that? Kathy and I did not know that we were going to have children. In, in fact, it didn't look like we would. And so, you know what you do when you don't think you're going to have children? You go to a doctor, and they say, oh, yeah, we can handle that. And after a number of visits, and they say, well, I think you need to go to another doctor. And they say, oh, yeah, we can handle that. And then what do they say after you've been there a number of times? Oh, well, I think you need to go to that doctor. Now, you've spent a lot of money at this point, and there are absolutely no assurances. Okay? I understand where Hannah was. It was hard. And there was a lot of sorrow, there was a lot of money, there was a lot of anguish. And, you know, I will tell you that it was a hard time. It's funny because when you're going through that, people kind of feel like they can say whatever they want. Like you don't have an idea of how this all happens. I had an elder in the church where I served, and this is what he said to me. He says, Mike, this seems to work for everybody else. Why don't you and Kathy try this? He says, go get a cheap bottle of wine and a cheap hotel. It seems to work for everybody else. I'm going... Did an elder just say that? But that's how it works. You know, it, it, is a, it, it, is a, it is everybody thinks they can say whatever they want in that time. And that just kind of adds to the anguish. So Kathy and I were actually preparing for some surgery. And, and uh, in, in the time that we were waiting for the surgery, can you hear what a miracle happened? And she became pregnant. And then 17 months after our, our, our little girl Amy was born, you know what? There was another one, Stephen. Can I tell you what we understand? That every single child comes from the grace of God. And every single child is a gift of God. And when we realize that, we treat them differently. When they realize that, they live differently. We have to work to do that. Second thing that I would tell you from, from Hannah it is that, that Hannah prayed for her children. Hannah, and that's what we've got to do. We've got to pray for our children. You remember when we started this story, she's in the temple and she is praying. They, she's praying so hard that they think that she's drunk. And, and then Craig also shared from the prayer in, 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 second, in, in 1 Samuel, the second chapter. And can I tell you what, she, she is praying again, and she's praying for her son. Now, I want you to understand this. That prayer was so powerful that it caused her to get pregnant, okay, that, that, that made her fertile again. Now, that's a pretty powerful prayer. But when you realize what the next step was in that prayer, that prayer actually changed the course of a nation. Because Samuel came in and ridded that nation of idolatry and, and moved it from anarchy to, to, to being a nation that one day would, would, would birth our Lord Jesus Christ. So you realize how absolutely powerful prayer is. It, it can change the course of a nation. Now, you, you understand that, that this is what prayer is. Prayer is battling for your children on your knees. Okay? Prayer is battling for your children on your knees. I, I know this. Th this is what I know. I know that if you have a teenager, you've probably done some praying, okay? Uh, if you have a teenager and, and they got in that car for the very first time and, and, and they've been trained, and, and, but they don't have great judgment and there are a lot of other wackadoos out on the road. And so what did you do that night? You spent a lot of time praying. Or they go on that first date. And you know what the potential is. And so what do you do that night? 
you pray like you've never prayed before. Or they go off to college. Now, can I tell you, those type of prayers are what I would call reactive prayers. Well, there's a, something that happens, and so what do we do? We pray. They go on that first date, or they drive for that first time. And, and, and so what do we do? We react and we pray. But there's another type of prayer that I want you to understand, and, and that's the, the reactive prayer, and that's the one we just talked about in the proactive prayer. Reactive prayers are usually in, 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 is the result of an emergency. Proactive prayer is looking off into the future. It is us praying about our children in this way. I'm praying about the people they will come in contact with. I'm praying about where they'll go to college. I'm praying about the mate that they might have in the future. Let me explain to you this way. My mother-in-law. And I love to make mother-in-law jokes. And my mother-in-law love mother-in-law jokes. But she was absolutely the most godly woman that I've ever met. Okay, let me tell you what she did every Monday at lunch. She skipped lunch. And she prayed during that time. She fasted and prayed for her grandchildren to come to know Jesus Christ. Every one of her grandchildren know Jesus Christ. Okay? I I believe that is the result of her prayers. Now, if you know her grandchildren, this is what I believe. That they are actually in the process of helping to change the course of this nation. And why? Because that is the absolute power of prayer. If we will begin to pray for our young people in that way. Let me tell you what else happened. My son... First time he went to visit his future in-in-laws, he, he went with Katie, his, his wife now, to their house. And, and they weren't engaged or anything. But he walks in, and, and, and his future mother-in-law says to him, you might be the young man, you might be the young man that Katie's father and I have been praying for since she was born. Talk about a little pressure there. <laughs> Talk about a little pressure. But that's proactive prayer. Can I tell you something? I wasn't a good proactive prayer. I, I didn't know what I know now. I, I, I wasn't great at that. Uh, and so I, I did a lot of reactionary praying. I, I reacted to things that my kids did. And, and, and I had to be on my knees and praying. There were nights when I was praying and when they were out because it was reactionary. And this is what I firmly believe in, in, in my heart. That if I had been more proactive in praying, I would have been less reactive in praying. There wouldn't have been nearly the emergencies in the situations. And, and you know what? I, I know that you're probably just like I am. You, you might be saying, well, I don't really know how to pray proactively. Can I tell you what we've got for you today as you leave? It's just a, it's a prayer card. And there's 31 biblical virtues to pray over your children. Now, you can figure out 31. There's 31 days in a month. There's some months you'll have to double up. But you begin to proactively pray these things over your child. And I would say, couple that with praying about their salvation, praying about where they'll go to college, praying about their, their mate, praying about a lot of things proactively. And I will make you this promise, you'll be praying a lot less reactively. And so as you leave today, as you leave today, grab one of these and put it in a place where you will pray every single day proactively for your children. It's that simple. You see, if we realize that our children are a gift from God, we're going to consult him about it. We're going to pray, and we're going to ask for his help. But the third thing that that, that Hannah does is this, is that she dedicates her son to God. And we have to dedicate our children to God. We have to dedicate our children. Now, I don't know if you caught this in the story, but, but actually Samuel is about four to six years old, and she takes him to the tabernacle. She takes him back to, to, to Eli, and she puts him there. And it says they worshiped. 
And I remind you again, worship is really important for your, for your children to see you do. And they worship. And then this is what she did. She turned, walked out, and left her son there. Can you imagine how hard that was? When you dedicate your son or daughter, when you dedicate your children to God, this is what I'm going to tell you. You don't know how it's going to end up. Now, I'll just be honest with you. I'm pretty much a wimp when it comes to things like this. I can remember my son, as he was wrapping up his undergrad degree, this is what he decided. He wants to go to England and, and, and work in campus ministry, I guess because that's what I did, in, in, in a group called Global Scope. And, and I, I was so proud when he, when he told me that. He says, Dad, I think Katie and I are going to go to England. We're going to help in a campus ministry. And I thought, well, that's really nice. And then I thought, wow, that's a long way away. You've got to fly over the pond to get there. I don't know, why do we call it a pond? That's kind of a dumb thing. But we've got to fly over that, and it's going to be really expensive. I'm not sure that that's what I really want. You see, when you dedicate your kids to God, it may not end the way that you think it should. Now, this is what I, I would pray. This is what I would ask, is that if you and I would dedicate our children to God with the same energy and the same passion we dedicate them to sports with. Did he just go there? Yeah, he did. Uh, the reason I can go there is because that's what Kathy and I used to do. We traveled all over the place to see our kids play ball. We invested a lot of money. I volunteered as a coach. We brought a lot of refreshments. I mean, it was absolutely nuts. But there was one thing that we had, and that was a rule. Sunday was Sunday. And that was the place to be was church. Now, I just have a piece of advice, and I'll share this with you and make everybody mad, and then we'll be fine, okay? My daughter, I can remember the first goal she shared. I mean, scored. And, and, and it was amazing. I mean, she, she struck the ball, and it went flying into the, in, into the goal. And at that point, you know what? I had this great picture in my mind. A great picture of her scoring the winning goal. I pictured her on the cover of Sports Illustrated for the <laughs> Women's World Cup, okay? I had already projected way out into the future. And then my son, T-Ball. I'm going to tell you, the first time he got up to bat, he reared back and he hit that ball. He hit a solid dub. Well, okay, not, not quite a solid. It dribbled out there about five or six feet. He headed kind of towards third, and the coach yelled to go the other way, and he headed towards first. By the time the kid got to the ball and got it picked up, he threw it to first and totally missed. And, and even if it had hit first, the kid couldn't have caught it. And so Stephen rounded and got, to, it was a double. But I tell you, if they'd let him keep on running, you know what? He'd have had a home run because nobody on that field could catch or throw a ball. <laughs> and I'd be bragging about that today. This is, this is what I thought at that point. Did you see the way the boy hit the ball? He's going to be in Major League Baseball someday. I'll be retired and doing what I want at the age of 50, sitting on Easy Street. I'm doing what I want. I'm not retired yet. But that didn't happen that way. It just didn't happen that way. Less than 1%. Less than 1% of kids ever make it past high school ball. But we invest so much time there. And all I'm asking is let's make sure we give equal time to God's work and dedicating our children to God. Why? Because it will change the direction of this country. 
It will change the direction of this church if we give God the same amount of time. Yesterday, we do this thing called baby dedication. I know many of y'all have remembered baby dedications, and, and it is they bring the babies up the step, and there's a whole line of screaming babies up here, and everybody's here, and they all, oh, isn't this great? We don't do that here. And let me tell you why, because that, that didn't amount to much. We had people that showed up to have their baby dedicated. That, that was the only time that year they showed up to church. So now what do we do? Kristen, one of our, 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 our family ministries teams, let me tell you, she runs this incredible program where they learn how to parent their children. And yesterday was the culmination of, of that and them going through it. They've read and they've listened to things. And yesterday, what happened? Uh, they showed up out of the link. We had four families and they dedicated their children. Now, it was more than dedicating their children. What they're saying is we're going to do our best to raise our children the way that God would have us to do it. And then the elders gathered around and we prayed over them. And the staff was there and it was an incredible time. I got to tell you, there were a lot of tears because people realized uh, that this is a hard task. Now, the reason that we dedicate our children to God, can I tell you why? It's because we can't do it ourselves. If you're going to try to raise your kid on your own with your great amount of wisdom, can I tell you what? You're going to blow it, okay? I, I, I'm just going to cut through the fat here. You need to dedicate them and offer them to God. Because when you do that, can I tell you what will happen? Then this team of people comes around. You, you have a church that is with you. I want to tell you what we do here at Northridge. This year, this year, we are going to spend over $300,000 on helping you raise your children. Did you notice I didn't say that we were going to do it? We get them maybe one or two hours a week. But what we're going to do, we're going to spend well over $300,000 to invest in you to help your children grow in Jesus Christ. So that they, they can maybe be a difference maker just like Samuel and change the course of this nation because we all know it, that it needs changing. So we invest all of that money there so that we can have things like the apps that you just saw, so, so that we can have incredible spaces and environments for our children. But then the second thing that we do that, that to partner with you so that you, we can raise your children and grandchildren really well is that we have hired an incredible team uh, that, that leads that. So I'm going to ask the, the Next Gen Ministries team to come on up here. These are the folks that are in the trenches every single week serving your children and helping them move closer to Christ. Can you show them a little love? They work hard every week so that when your children get here, they are going to learn about Jesus Christ. They work hard to make themselves available and put resources in your hands. Okay? It's an incredible team. Down here on this end is Michelle Neesmith. If you don't know Michelle, she's been around a long time, almost as long as I have, okay? I probably shouldn't have said it that way, should I? No. I look better than you. Uh, you look better than me? Oh, man. Okay. Well, so there. <laughs> Michelle is the, is the team leader here. And, and this is what I want you to know. If you're going to be stranded on a desert island and you could take any staff member, you know, you, you, you've got Craig and I, I'm sure you're thinking, well, those, no, this is the woman you want to take because she gets it done. And she, she is our superstar. She leads this team. And, and, and somebody asked me, why has Northridge grown the way it has? I'll tell you, it's because of what Michelle has put together in our children's area. So uh, this is pretty incredible. So, so, so Michelle is there, and, and she's pointing down here because then this is, this is Kristen. She, she 
deals with the knee biters, okay? And, and, uh, and this is what happened. <laughs> Precious knee biters, okay? I'll get that right. And so, so she's down there, and she's laying a foundation. This is incredible. Uh, they learn about God loves them. They learn about God's word is true. And when you begin to look at that foundation, it is, it is incredible. And I will tell you what, uh, there are kids that, that will go home and tell their parents their memory verse. Or they'll be singing songs. And, and, and I absolutely love hearing stories like that. So she's building the foundation. And then this is Ashley Grandchamp. And Ashley is our newest staff member. You've just been here a few weeks. And I love her name, Grand Champ, but she really is the champion for what, what happens with our elementary students. They're beginning to read. They're beginning to be able to take these concepts and change them into lies. And can I tell you what's going to happen most likely when the kids are in her age group? They're going to come to know Jesus, and they're going to want to be baptized. And so she has a huge, huge job here. So she's building on the foundation, and, and, and Ashley is, is incredible in doing that. And then we come to Brian down here. And you guys need to pray for Brian, let me tell you. <laughs> he, he's, he's the drama minister, I mean, student minister. And if you know anything about middle school and high school, there's some drama. He deals with the hormones, okay, just a little bit. But to tell you what, you know, if once a child hits 18, there, there's very little chance they're going to come to know Jesus Christ. And, and so what you're seeing right here is what I would just simply say is an incredible team. They're not here to train your children. They're here to help you learn how to train your children. Okay, because they can't do it without your help. They're here to pour into you. They're here to help you realize that your children are a gift. They're here to help you know what to pray for your children. They're here, and, and, and they will help dedicate your children so that they will grow up to be difference makers. So let's give them another uh, little bit of love here. I, I absolutely am so proud of that team because I'm going to tell you they are doing incredible things. And, uh, and, and then you need to be thanking God for them every single day and praying for them every single day. This is what I want you to hear. Everything that I've talked about is dependent upon one thing, one thing, and that is us as adults dedicating our lives to Jesus Christ. When, when I talk about dedicating your children, that, that doesn't work unless you're dedicated unless you're dedicated, unless you're being that example. I'll never forget, she was an eighth grader, and she came to me and she was in tears. She had looked up to her grandfather as a godly man, and she was at his house, and they were celebrating or doing something, and she said she stepped outside and she heard her grandfather on his phone, and he was lighting it up with some language that I can't repeat here. She was absolutely crushed. Can I tell you what the best thing that you can do is dedicate your life to Christ and become the example that they can follow so that they can know Jesus Christ. Number one thing. And so this morning as we wrap up, this is just a time I'm going to tell you. It's a time when you can simply say, God, I'm going to dedicate myself to you so that I can raise a difference maker. I'm going to dedicate myself to you so that I can get on my knees and pray for my child and fight for them. I, I'm going to realize that you have gifted me in so many ways, and that child is a gift. And, and I, I'm going to pray like never before. 
And, and I tell you what, if you want to come up front, we've got lots of room. You can fight for your children on your knees. If you want to come up front and you need prayer, we would love to do that. But this, this, is, this is the truth. It takes every single one of us being dedicated to Christ and being that example so that our children can live differently and change this world for our camp. Thanks for listening to this message. If you'd like to find out more about Northridge, visit our website at northridgechristian.com. If you'd like to stay connected throughout the week, download our ChurchLink app today for your iOS or Android device.